1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Joseph Whale, and I'm going to be your host for the next hour. And uh, I'm pleased to be joined in the studio by the Matthew Pekka to my Craig Darby, Mister Rick Stevens. How are you today, my friend?
2: I am. I'm in a Christmas mood today. We're yeah. just a couple of days <laughs> before Christmas. I'm feeling good. Um, Getting the last minute decorating and gifts uh, looked after. Uh, got some packages off, cards out. Yeah, I'm ready for yeah. for I'm ready for the holidays. I'm ready for Habs hockey. I'm ready for World Junior hockey. Uh, yeah. It's a great time of year.
1: It's it's the most wonderful time of the year, and That's I think, think the World Juniors phrase. plays. Yeah, exactly. I think the World Juniors plays a big part in that for me i always get really excited about that but yeah the montreal canadians are are doing well and obviously you mentioned uh sending off gifts and evidently given some of the comments that were made on the latest episode of from the press box my gift is on the way from amy johnson we'll discuss that oh, a little later on but uh, nice. anyways <laughs> but uh the montreal canadians um you know what it was a rocky start after last week we went off the air last week and what did we say? Before you head out on the road, you can't overlook the Detroit Red Wings. And um, it might be fair to say that the Montreal Canadiens may have overlooked the uh, Detroit Red Wings just a little bit. Um, they lost last week, last Saturday, 2-1. to one, um, And that did not inspire a whole lot of confidence before you head out on a long road trip. Keep in mind, that Detroit game, the last home game of 2019 for the Montreal Canadiens. So they head out on a long road trip that begins in Vancouver. Um, and led by their BC boys, Shea Weber, Carey Price. Carey Price with 38 saves, Shea Weber with a goal to, uh, to make it a two-goal game. And the Montreal Canadiens end up picking up a win in their first game on the road. And then against the Calgary Flames, they find a way after falling down 2-0 in that one to come back. They have a, good, a really good second period. Uh, Nick Suzuki ties it in the third to force OT and uh, Max Domi after a really nice save from Carey Price on Elias Lindholm, uh, Max Domi who was buzzing around the ice the entire OT period. Um, he buries a slapper past Dave Riddick and uh, big save. Dave couldn't catch up to that one. And the Montreal Canadiens with a four, three OT win. And just like that after, you know, last week where you might believe that the Montreal Canadiens could have a rough time, out west and then going down to Florida after Christmas. Well, they got two wins to start the road trip. So maybe maybe things are okay. Maybe we're on the upward trajectory of the uh, of the roller coaster. I don't know what exactly is going on, but the Montreal Canadiens have two consecutive wins.
2: Well, uh, you know, we pegged we pegged the description of the season um from day one and and that was kind of our 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 preview show uh podcast when we talked about well what can we expect this season and and we said um uh you know 92 93 points and or and expect a roller coaster expect uh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of ups <laughs> and a lot of downs um so there was the eight game losing streak and frame it the winless streak frame it however you want it was awful in november um and expecting you know maybe the worst as we moved into december and uh but since that eight game stretch where they didn't win a game the next eight game stretch the canadians are six and two uh and as you said uh um, a couple of wins on the western road trip so uh yeah the roller coaster (laughs) is chugging along and um the the team is uh, has has turned as has changed as we we've talked about in previous weeks changed their style of play a little bit more defensive and uh, it's paid off with uh, a six and two stretch that they're enjoying right now.
1: And you, talking about those changes, the ones that have led to a lot less odd man rushes and a little less uh, you know more, Kerry uh, Price not having to face that sort of onslaught on a night to night basis. Well, we talked a couple of weeks ago about Kerry Price's numbers because people were concerned about Kerry Price and his numbers in November having an 883 save percentage. And I pointed out that last year, Kerry Price had a 916 save percentage with an 8 3 record in the month of December. And we're seven games into December, he's got a 937 save percentage. So because you have fortified and, and, and sort of rectified the problems that existed on the outside with, with odd man rushes that the Montreal Canadiens were giving up so frequently and you've kind of made Carey Price's life just a little bit easier, he's rewarded you with some fantastic numbers. As he put up last year in the month of December, looks like he's going to have another great month of December this year. So it's, it's good that the Canadians have changed their style a little bit to fit their personnel. And, and it's really reflected in Carey Price's numbers for the month of December which after as i said a lot of concern and i don't exactly know why there there was so much concern that existed but here we are with Carey Price with a 5 and 2 record and a 937 save percentage so pretty good start for the month uh for Carey Price
2: and uh if you restrict it to his last five starts 946 save percentage uh Oof. he was outstanding in that uh home game as it were, as it seemed to be yeah. against the Canucks <laughs> with 38 saves um and 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 yeah he's uh he's he's um, he hasn't uh been the problem for the season but uh give him just a little bit of help uh and uh and he's been uh unbelievable and and was named first star in that uh that game in vancouver and it's funny that i think he's got more first star um uh, picks in in road games than he has in home games he seems to have yeah. a harder time with the the local press uh, in Vancouver he was first star that loss that overtime loss in Philadelphia was first star the he was first star in St. Louis uh, where he played terrific earlier on in the, the season uh, so he's uh, as you said living up to his his reputation in December
1: and speaking of games on the road as we talk about the Montreal Canadiens winning those two first games after that loss to Detroit, which it didn't seem like the Montreal Canadiens were going to be uh, (laughs) going to be having a whole lot of success. If we looked at the Detroit game as a preview of what, uh, what was to come, but they've turned it around. And now you look at their record on the road compared to that, that they have at home. And you just said, Kerry price picking up first star, uh, you know, notices on the road not quite the same story at home and if it had if it if it was the same story at home we would be having a drastically different conversation wouldn't we
2: (laughs) well it's it's really odd and and um um i mentioned that in in the game review um the detroit game actually uh game review and and uh talked about the the 421 winning percentage at at home I, i know in his uh Uh, press conference uh, a couple of days after that game um, Mark Bergevan talked about a 500 record at home and that isn't good enough it's eight eight and three that isn't exactly 500 that's four uh, that's eight and (laughs) eleven and so a 421 win percentage uh, that's uh, 27th um, in the league uh, the 27th best home record uh, where it's 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 completely flipped on the road nine four and three that's good for eighth um, on the road and and fortunately uh, fortunately so to uh, to keep them in the discussion about a playoff spot
1: yeah and speaking of Mark Berger so there was a press conference as you sort of alluded to there where I think the biggest story that came out of that was Mark Bergervan saying that he wasn't willing to mortgage the future to improve this team right now. That was the quote that really sort of made the rounds on social media and the one that really kind of stuck. And I don't think that that, and with the fact that Taylor Hall was traded shortly thereafter, it didn't necessarily help with, with that sort of conversation because Mark Bergervan sort of initiated it. And then here come the Arizona coyotes for, with an offer for Taylor Hall. So we, we see that the Montreal Canadiens having gone winless in eight and now they've rebounded a little bit. And the, the you know, the, the story is you're supposed to trade while you're winning. Um, does one sort of lead into the other? You see that the price gets sort of set. Maybe the market gets set on that Taylor Hall trade that we're, we might discuss just a little bit later on. Do you think that the market being set, like it was on that Taylor Hall trade will impact the Montreal Canadians wanting to make moves because I mean, that wasn't exactly the, the high price that you would have thought Taylor Hall would go for.
2: Yeah. And, um, that was, that was reachable. And, and as you said, we'll, we'll break down the, the Taylor yeah. Hall trade, uh, in a bit, but, um, I, in that presser, there was all sorts of, of, um, um, conflicting kind of messages yeah. from, from Bergevin. Um, you know, t- talking about um, uh, it, not wanting to mortgage the future, but, but, you know, there, there was the the pay- price that was paid for Taylor Hall, you're not, you're not going to mortgage the future, but I understand he wants to frame it that way. Uh, so that, that, um, you know, he won't be criticized for inaction. Um, in the past, he said, what do you want me to do? Uh, uh, when he needed a top center, what do you want me to do? Trade away, carry price. Um, and uh, so he, he puts all these kind of false equivalencies out there and yeah. <laughs> and, and people say, yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, that's right. Uh, Mr. Bergeron. Um, and it's, it's kind of silly. Um, I, I he, he, um, talked about, um, building the team, you assemble the team in June and then you roll with it. Uh, and, and that through the year you make your call up. So, uh, I didn't quite understand what he meant by that. Um, uh, is, is he saying that, that is that was, was he ex- explaining his, uh, inaction more or less with respect to, to, uh, free agency that, that uh, he wasn't going to participate in the summer either. Uh, He wasn't going to be involved in, in during the season moves. Uh, It was, it was a very, very uh, odd kind of press conference.
1: Yeah. And, and let's, let's look at what was given up for Taylor Hall and, and, and think back to those comments that he made about mortgaging the future. So, Taylor Hall, along with Blake Spears, was traded from New Jersey to Arizona in exchange for Nick Merkley, Nathan Schnarr, and Kevin Ball, and as well as a 2020 first-round pick and a 2021 conditional third-round pick. Now, there's intrigue surrounding Kevin Ball specifically, and we will see him at the World Junior Hockey Championships for Team Canada. A very intriguing—I mean, six foot seven, looks to be a rather mobile six foot seven. So there's intrigue that surrounds him, but. It's been thrown out that he's probably not a he's not an elite level prospect. he might not be that kind of guy and so so with that in mind, uh, New Jersey also retained fifty percent of hall's salary it's only you know he's only got the rest of this season but regardless, that isn't exactly mortgaging the future and when I saw that Arizona was in the mix for Taylor Hall and that a deal was reported as being complete, I assumed that maybe it was it would be Barrett Hayden. If, if, if the Montreal Canadiens would be outpriced, if they were you know, unwilling to give up and mortgage the future, it would be Barrett Hayden that would be the guy that was going to New Jersey. But that wasn't the case. So with the guys that were given up, and we've we kind of talked through the week about what it might be, what might be the equivalent in the Montreal Canadiens farm system to a, to a Kevin Ball. And the guy that we sort of landed on was, was maybe like a Josh Brook who was a good prospect for the Montreal Canadiens, no doubt about it. But, you know, when you have fans that were uh, floating around, the idea of, well, okay, well, would you have given up Ryan Paling or Cole Caulfield, whoever it is, when you have that sort of narrative that's being thrown around, when it's like, as you said, sort of a false equivalency, I mean, it, it, it just kind of... I don't know because we go back to the summer and what are people talking about? The fact that Craig button said that the Montreal Canadians have the best prospect pool in Canada and potentially the NHL. So, so which one is it? I'm sort of confused. Is it that they have the best prospect pool in the NHL or is it that it's top heavy and then you can't match an offer like the Arizona coyotes made? That's the part of this that I'm confused by.
2: Yeah, I think, uh, listen, uh, people don't follow prospects, people don't follow uh, closely uh that level of hockey uh no matter how much of an uh involvement you have and and i've heard all kinds of of things and people referencing there's a there's a, an article on nhl.com and they're saying well you know that has to be the right one because uh all the teams feed in their 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 own rankings into nhl.com and and so what comes out of there is gospel That's just nonsense. It's utter nonsense. Uh, That article is written by a Philly beat reporter. uh, And I know Adam um, and I know he keeps an eye on, on prospects, but it's, it's, you want to, you want to look at prospect ranking um, people who that's all they do. That's all they follow. uh, you know, uh, Corey Pronman the folks at, at uh, the hockey news, um, hockey prospects, one of those. Um, and they'll all tell you um, the Arizona Coyotes didn't give up any of their A-list prospects. And they don't have a lot of them. They don't. No. Uh, yeah. they're, they're ranked in um, uh, generously maybe 17th um, uh, in, in prospects, uh, but in the, in the bottom third typically uh, in prospects um you have and at the top of that list yes as you said you have uh Barrett Hayden you have uh Victor Soderstrom you have Kyle Cap- Capo Bianco um they didn't give up any of those prospects uh none of them um and uh, you know Kevin Ball yeah he's he's interesting um uh, Merkley, uh, you know was <laughs> was drafted in in 2015 and and He's in the AHL and Schnarr, and, and, and as, as our own um, Matt Smith said, uh, those guys haven't done a lot in the AHL, the, the two that are they're in the AHL. Uh, they're, they're middling prospects. Um, if you look on, um, say, the Future Watch issue of, of the Hockey News, and they talk about the top 100 prospects. Uh, Arizona has two in the top 100 prospects in the NHL uh capo bianco at 81 uh and barrett hayden at nine the canadians have five in the top 100 suzuki paling romanoff primo and Julson. um so and that was done uh, uh prior to the draft so you'd add in soderstrom say for arizona you'd add caulfield in for for uh the canadians none of those guys are are part of that list um so yeah um yeah uh, and and uh, you know you just don't pick the top uh, few from Arizona and comp- and compare because as you said the Canadians prospect pool is much stronger uh, so you're looking at as you said uh, uh, Josh Brook uh, Lucas Vedamo uh, Ekanen, Olsson those kind of level of picks and could the Canadians have done without those are, are they mortgaging the future really? Uh, to bring in uh, an elite uh, player, uh, uh, um, MVP of the league, two years away from um, MVP of the league. Of course, listen, you can, you can complain about his injuries. You complain about um, other things, but was it too expensive? No, of course not. Um, The Canadians had the picks to be able to bring him in. Now, the other part of this is, and, and the only thing that's worth, in my view, anything, is that first-round pick. That player could become an NHLer, has the potential, given that this is a good draft uh, yeah. year. Um, and the Canadians, again, and we're going to hear this, they want to look like they're doing something. They want the show. They want the, the ability to market um, so with the draft being in Montreal, would that affect their decision from my perspective, from a hockey perspective, of course it shouldn't affect their decision. But if from a marketing position, look at the mistake that they made last time they held the, the draft and wanted to, wanted to make the pick yeah. <laughs> for marketing reasons. That was disastrous. As, absolutely disastrous in Louis, Louis LeBlanc and everybody, at least I knew it beforehand. Um, so uh, you, I, I guess the other thing that, that folks are saying is, um, about, oh, this is just a rental. Well, um, that may be true, uh, but this isn't a typical rental, typical rentals you're getting at the, at the trade deadline and you yeah. have them on your team for six weeks, um, add another 10 weeks to that. that that's this is going to be 16 weeks now that the Arizona Coyotes have to um, uh, influence Taylor Hall into where he goes they have a uh, a 16 week negotiating plus playoffs uh yep. that's that's regular season plus playoffs um, to uh, influence him and and uh, show him what a a great place it is to play and that they're committed to to winning uh, and of course, then he always has the choice in going somewhere else. But, um, I, I, you know, um, focus on other things, but as far as, as, as price, uh, this was, this was, uh, a lot cheaper than ma- many, uh, expected it to be for Taylor Hall.
1: Yeah. And it's a great move for Arizona, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, this is the only opportunity If this is your only opportunity to get a guy that was an MVP two years ago. And you have, as you mentioned, lo- a lot longer than you, you typically do for a rental to influence his decision. Not many people are going to look at Arizona as a, you know, as a sexy place to play hockey for, you know, that that's just kind of the situation that they're in. So I think that this is a great move from John Cheka and the Arizona Coyotes. Um, and
2: and let's so, just, yeah. to, just to wrap it up, um, the prospects that were given away they are not Suzuki, they are not Paley, no. they are not Caulfield, they are not Romanov, um, and I'd even argue not Primo's. But uh, so um, let's, let's kind of put that uh, narrative to bed.
1: And I know that people are attached to these guys, these young players that the Montreal Canadiens have and the hope that that, that that is attached to them. But the reality is not all these guys are going to be Montreal Canadiens. So at a certain point, you only have so many roster spots. You're going to have to decide, and as well as having Shea Weber and Carey Price, who are ready to win right now, you have to decide which ones are the most valuable to your team going forward and, and go from there. And I think that this was an opportunity to do that. Granted, left wing might not be the biggest issue for the Montreal Canadiens. It might be the left side of the defense, but we'll see how Mark Bergevin addresses that going forward, if at all. Um, but
2: there, there yeah. you go. That's a good point. Uh, but it only highlights, not maybe, maybe not uh, the biggest concern. Uh, but it is an issue, and it is an issue we've talked about of uh, uh, a top six scoring winger uh, to go yep. along with the priority need, which is, is the the left handed top pairing defenseman. And um, uh, it just highlights the. Uh, failure of Bergevin over the summer um, to address those two needs. Um, yeah, and a- again, we're going to get into uh, is Taylor Hall enough to win a Stanley Cup? Well, we're going to we're going to hear from Mark Bergevin. Uh, yeah, very conflicting messages. He said there was no one that he could trade for that would um, uh, be uh, would allow them to win the Stanley Cup. In the next breath, he said uh but we're, we're we're our goal is to make the playoffs and once you're in anything can happen and he keeps every time he gets near a microphone he keeps bringing up uh the miracle of St. Louis um <laughs>
1: which is just yeah uh silly
2: it's it's really silly
1: every team can convince themselves that that's a possibility but it only happened one time <laughs> you know it's that's that's something that happened one one time and if it if it were to happen again maybe there would be some you know, some truth to it, but I think it's just false hope that teams are clinging to in a hope of repeating what we saw last year, which was just pure insanity. Um, well, and, and so, the Blues yeah.
2: were an extremely good team. They're a talented a solid team. Solid D. Yeah. They, they have a bad goaltending. Um, yeah. They found um, good goaltending. But they were <laughs> a, a, a very good team playing badly in the first few months. And then they yeah. turned it around.
1: So I guess with all that said, we'll, we'll move on. But um We'll we'll very quickly get to some other insanity which surrounds the uh, Laval Rocket. So we're going to go with the Rocket Report very quickly here on the Canadians Connection podcast.
0: This edition of the Rocket Report is brought to you by AHL.Report, your premier source for the Laval Rocket, the AHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens. AHL.Report is a proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network.
1: So, Uh, Last night, the Laval Rocket played the Utica Comets, and uh, the AHL Report, as as Amy Johnson tweeted out earlier today for the full game recap that is on the AHL Report, um, there was an interesting, or I guess, I don't know how to describe it, really. It was Michael McCarron just kind of losing his mind, uh, uh, spearing, throwing his stick at an official. It's expected that he's probably going to get some supplemental discipline for that that is forthcoming
2: yeah it's um a sad situation um discipline has been an issue uh for the laval rocket this season um it cost them a game in syracuse a couple weeks ago and and again mccarran was at fault um but uh, the the guys who have the letters on their sweaters are often the the, the worst culprits mccarran being one of them Belzile taking a lot of penalties uh discipline is and and was also an issue last year discipline has been an, a, a big issue under um uh the the present coaching staff and and um uh Jean bouchard and um last uh, last night was um it was um uh, Again, we two weeks ago in in Syracuse we saw uh, Mike McCarran. Um, he it was a, a, a scrum and he ended up putting Corey Conacher in a headlock and and walking him around the the center <laughs> ice area and then there was some pushing and shoving and somehow miraculously uh, the officials didn't see what he did and they they uh, gave a penalty to um uh Syracuse uh Lavelle to the the power play um and uh McCarron rather than saying oh gee I, I got away with one there and rather than Joel Bouchard saying geez this guy's hot-headed I better get him off the ice left him out there he nailed somebody a few seconds into the power play he was called off he went uh to the um uh, the box but not before there was uh, an official got knocked down a linesman got knocked down and in the, the struggle okay it happens uh but then mccarran was protesting uh so much and took his helmet off and spun it on center ice right at the feet of uh, uh an official uh blatant disrespect towards the official and he was very very fortunate uh, that he didn't get tossed from that game. He took other penalties, and, and on those penalties, uh, Syracuse ended up uh, scoring. That was Keith Kincaid's uh, um, introduction, reintroduction yeah. to the NHL. <laughs> so a couple weeks later, we come to last night's game, and um, again, he just lost it. And he speared uh, a, a Comet um, in a scrum near uh, Caden Primo. Um, he was uh, taken off the ice um, and um, ejected for spearing um, game misconduct for a, a, a five minute major and a game misconduct for spearing the linesman went to escort him out and he took off after the referee the referee um, wisely kind of put the net uh, between him and McCarran. Uh, the linesman caught up to him and uh uh uh, McCarran, uh tried to throw his stick it got caught on his glove and, and it, it went down but um that I, again abusive officials um and the spearing incident was ugly um uh, already been suspended this this year two games um for a hit on brandon gauntz um uh, that concussed him uh, that was ugly uh, this this player has lost it. it. Never one of the brightest bulbs in the pack, uh, but he, his, um, he's just undisciplined, and, and I don't know uh, what the future is. Uh, but there's going to be, I expect, some league discipline, and um, I'd really expect uh, Joe Bouchard to do something. After the game last night, Bouchard was clear that McCarron was the one that cost him the game um, in Utica.
1: Yeah, and, and you hate to see uh, the, that sort of uh, bad discipline and, and poor sportsmanship all around. I uh, really don't like to see that. Um, but you mentioned Alex Belziel as well as somebody that has been taking some some bad penalties, but uh, unfortunately uh, he has joined the injured list, and it's expected that he's not going to be back this season. Uh, in addition to that, you have Charles Houdon, who is also uh, currently injured. So sort of uh adding up here with the injuries both in Montreal and in Laval. It is um and uh as a result, uh Laval has
2: has had to add um players players on PTOs, players from the ECHL uh without an ECHL uh affiliate which we talked about um a fair bit. Uh, in last week's uh, podcast and the pro and the prospects or the question about uh, a, um, an ECHL affiliate. Um, you might want to go back and listen to, to that particular uh, podcast. Um, but uh, the roster has, has had some names on it and from all, all over um, uh, the, the ECHL. Um, and <laughs> I guess, um given that there's so many new names uh, that led to some confusion uh, because last night uh, uh, there was a strange situation early on in the game. Verbeek uh, was, uh, <laughs> was uh, spoken to by the officials and escorted off the ice. And we thought, what in the world's going on there? Well, um, Joe Bouchard had made a mistake with his lineup and uh, had written in Phelan who had had an illness um, earlier in the day, didn't write in Verbeek. It was a bad, <laughs> a bad lineup. Uh, so Verbeek was ineligible to play and they were, they were down an extra, uh, an additional forward. Um, I do want to mention, and we were talking about this before we went on, on, uh, on the air. Yannick Vaillou, I, I, one of my uh, favorites, he was brought up uh, former uh, uh, St. John Icecap. Uh, he yeah. was brought up uh, from the ECHL. Uh, looked great last night, scored a goal, um, and uh, yeah, it was really good to see him uh, back in the lineup.
1: And as we we were discussing before the show, as you mentioned, uh, he he almost scored one of the biggest goals in uh, Saint John's sports history, in Newfoundland sports history, uh, with a goal that could have uh, put the Ice Caps up two nothing in their series against the Crunch back in 2017. But it wasn't meant to be. Just laid on that goal line. Uh, still bitter about that but uh,
0: <laughs> but uh
1: moving on um speaking of uh, i guess the the goaltending uh, situation um Caden Primo wasn't exactly in the best place that he was in you know sort of struggling a little bit at the AHL level before he got recalled to Montreal a couple weeks ago and after winning that game against the Ottawa Senators you might think maybe he'll turn a corner it'll give him some more confidence doesn't exactly look like that's been what's gone on with Caden Primo. Uh,
2: no. Uh, and, and um, you know, uh, it's, it's not all uh, Primo's fault. No. Um, he's given up five goals uh, twice since his return to Laval. Uh, I would say, you know, half of the goals uh, might be his fault, half bad defense. Uh, but still, the numbers are not um, pretty at all um he's he's let's say he's struggled in uh of his last seven starts he's struggled in six of them and in those six he's given up 29 goals uh that's that's almost five goals a game uh and uh, uh he he I, again this is not this is not critiquing him um he obviously uh, needs a lot of time, and uh, I guess this is just uh, reporting on this for those uh, who are advocating that he return uh, to the Canadiens lineup. We'd really like to see him uh, stay in Laval for, for this season and work on his game and, and, uh, and, and work through these kinds of, of uh, struggles that he's having.
1: Yeah, you'd like to see a little bit more consistency in his performances in the ahl before you make that a permanent thing uh that he's in the in the nhl because you you want the guy to be ready and and go through some adversity because that's an important process in development um so we're going to take a quick break here on the canadians connection podcast and we're going to talk about culture because that's that's a buzzword you hear a lot in in professional sports. And we're going to talk about specifically the culture that surrounds the Montreal Canadiens. So stay with us here on the rock on the Canadian connection podcast on rocket sports radio.
0: Rocket sports media is currently recruiting talented, motivated and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas, sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are located in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com. Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around, allhabs.net.
1: And we're back. Here on the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at JoeWayla19. You can follow Rick at AllHabs. And you can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So as I said, going to break. We're going to talk about culture because, you know, some think of culture as being a buzzword. And you hear a lot about it in professional sports. And, it, and it's certainly thrown around a lot. And you think back to the Toronto Maple Leafs when Brendan Shanahan took over, the whole culture changed, that whole narrative that surrounded the Leafs for a couple of years. It's it's actually got some importance in, you know, sort of you want to cultivate a positive culture and, and one that is a winning culture. And it's kind of become clear over the past number of years that the Montreal Canadiens, I, I think that Mark Bergevin, it's fair to say, in the first few years, you didn't really, maybe to those that weren't following the team, especially closely, you wouldn't know that the Montreal Canadiens didn't have a, a very good culture because there was success. There was a, there was a period of success, 2013 through 2014 uh, through 2015. There was some, there was a level of success uh, the Atlantic division winning that carry price having that incredible 2014, 15 season. So I think it's, it's fair to say that you can sort of hide a a poor culture for a little bit, but after a while, it it sort of starts to become evident over a period of time and and in conversation with some players, some former players.
2: It's uh, a couple of things um, brought it to our attention. It's something that, that uh, Joe and I have discussed and, and, uh, but it, there was a couple of uh, unrelated incidents that that brought this whole um issue of of culture of of uh, philosophy um, to the fore and uh, the two incidents were, were um uh jeff Molson trolling reporters uh and the other one was a former player uh giving an interview um a rather candid interview um uh, with uh, with uh, the Post and Courier, um, so let's just try. In order to to ex- explain this, um, uh, let's let's just kind of review those two two incidents. The first um, was just bizarre to me. Uh, it was bizarre, and that was Jeff Molson kind of jumping in on conversations uninvited, um, and um, and and kind of uh attacking uh, journalists um and listen we've we've um we've spoken about uh mainstream media and and kind of you know necessarily being out of touch or whatever on on in in some cases but but this was an attack by the owner of a, a franchise on the the guys the beat reporters that cover the team and and that I don't remember seeing that before. Um, yeah. I, I just don't. Um, there was, there was Richard LeBay, um, who, uh, just said, um, is it just me? Um, or do the Canadians, uh, have they been giving up late period goals this season? Okay. That's, <laughs> that's reasonable. And it was, yeah. it, it happened in the Calgary game. and, and um, that's reasonable. So and and um uh he he didn't tag uh Molson or the Canadians or anything else. And so Molson said, is it just me or does this team have a lot of character? And then everybody jumped in, "Oh, look at that. The reporter got owned by the by Molson. Look at that." Yeah. Um, and 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 that's that's what bothers me is 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 an owner using the, the the Twitter mob using the useful idiots on Twitter who don't maybe don't understand the situation using that mob to attack the player, uh, the, the uh, reporter. Um, and and what does that do? Well, that that stifles their message, um, that discredits the reporter to su- some degree. Um, yeah. it intimidates others. Um, and, um, you know, I, I, I guess, okay. So there, that was one incident. Then this, a, a similar thing happened with respect to, uh, Stu Cowan, from Montreal Gazette, Stu Cowan, and I have disagreed on, on, uh, hockey opinions, but I support Stu Cowan's, um, uh, Ability and right to express himself uh, and offer his opinion and at the beginning of the Vancouver game the Canuck game um, he tweeted um, the game notes uh, the lineups and the game notes for the Canucks with with both the Canadians and the Canucks we put a picture in there and his tweet was uh, it's it's so nice to get printed game notes at Rogers Arena and basically every other rink when the Habs are on the road, media can't get them at the Bell Center. Now, uh, here's a situation, and it's kind of an inside baseball situation, and fans (laughs) don't care. Fans don't care about reporters. Fans don't care about reporters doing their jobs. Um, It's essential. I will tell you from being in in many press boxes, whether it's at the NHL level or the AHL level or the NCAA level or the... Uh, CHL level uh, the ECHL level it's essential to have these game notes printed Uh, you have lineups you have um, uh, statistics um, you you have everything there printed so that when you're tweeting when you're writing up your game recaps the information is there for quick referral yeah Um, well and, and, and so it was I was I was surprised to hear that the bell center isn't making those available because that's unheard of. Um, So uh, to that, to that uh, tweet again, uninvited Jeff Molson jumps (laughs) in and says, this is a conscious effort to reduce paper. And we make those notes available digitally available on your laptop. I hope you take that paper and put it in the recycling bin now what was that what was that all about what was that all about that's just silly that's just somebody who doesn't understand the situation and listen jeff molson's grown up in press boxes uh as he's been there as a kid running around uh and he knows that the media need these he should know that the media they're absolutely essential absolutely essential um but this went on and on and on. Um, and every time that that Stu Cowan tried to uh, um, reply to to, a, you know, a fan who didn't understand the issue, who is trashing him, um, Jeff Molson jumped in each time. And I said to you, um, you know, it, has he been drinking? Is it, <laughs> uh, like what what has happened to him? um but it's clear that 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 wasn't that wasn't it that wasn't it it I was kind of giving him the it, the benefit of the doubt of of maybe he's been drinking and saying silly things but that wasn't it at all he was saying mean things he was trying yeah. to tear down and and use the twitter mob to atr- uh, attack this uh reporter over a silly issue a really silly issue and he talked about um you know, maybe you should uh, go to the the hotel desk and ask them to print it. Um, well, of course, you know when you're at the game and you arrive two hours in advance, uh, all the lineups not, aren't necessarily announced by that point, and um, it's just what he was saying was was nonsense, absolute nonsense uh, but it was it was clear that and and yes, the Bell center has has in order to look like they're being responsible in order to to uh have this appearance they have a uh, a green designation that they went out and sought and so this was one of their arguments for getting that green designation and that's more important to them than people doing their jobs and and it's, it's just obvious that it, it, the appearance of being environmentally responsible is more important than giving people the tools to do their jobs effectively. Uh, and maybe that applies across the board when it comes to Molson. Um, it was just wrong. Um, yeah. I, I, I talked with Stu a bit about this, and, and he said that, that um, it wasn't the first time that Molson's attacked him on Twitter, which is wrong. Um, He also said that the, the head of the Montreal chapter, the provincial professional hockey writers association has gone to the Canadians and spoken to them and, and tried to make the case how, how um, important this is for people to do their jobs. And they were completely ignored or disrespected. Um, And, and that's what gets a little bit to the culture, this culture of disrespect, this culture of, 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 it's appearances are more important than doing the right thing. Uh, and that incident alone, I know it's a, in, uh, a small incident. It's an inside baseball incident, uh, but it speaks volumes about the culture of this Canadians organization.
1: And I mean, listen, you can, you can do your part and, and, and do, uh, you know, things that are environmentally friendly. Listen, no one's going to attack you for doing that, but when you take it to that level where you are, publicly attacking somebody that is trying to do their job. And you mentioned that these, these sheets, I understand you, you said it's inside baseball, but I still have some game notes from the ice caps games that I went to. And those were just, they were so valuable because you could just have a quick glance down. What's number 23 on the other team. Boom. Got it. There we go. Rather than having to go to your laptop. It's just something that's just that second that just makes it a little bit easier than uh than doing it d- digitally but uh yes and yeah it, it's it, it's sort of this pervasive thing with the montreal canadians because as you mentioned there was another and, incident. and
2: just just to, yeah. just to finish sorry uh just to finish yep. just to further explain for people who may not understand the information is available digitally of course it is but but you're time. either writing your your recap you you yep. are um, tweeting, you are, whatever it is you're doing, it's not like uh, in, in um, you know, our, our Rocket Sports studio where there's multiple monitors that you can set up. And in a press box, you're crammed in there. You have your little yeah. laptop. And and you can't be flipping back and forth uh, for information of when you're trying to compose a tweet on the screen itself uh, or writing your recap or all of that. It's, it's, it's a... I, Trust me, it's, it's a, an essential uh, tool to doing uh, an
1: effective bit of work. Yes, absolutely. And so speaking of a guy, uh, speaking of the St. John's Icecaps, there's a guy that I, that I covered in my time covering the St. John's Icecaps, Tom Parisi, who's back in the AHL uh, playing for the Belleville Senators, which I, I covered the Belleville Senators as well. So it's, it's all full circle. But, uh, <laughs> but you guys, uh, Amy Johnson conducted an interview with Tom Parisi. And and as you mentioned, there was also an article about Tom Parisi and, and he's got a really remarkable story. Uh, He's a guy that stepped away from the game for a year and then came back and has been playing. uh, He was in the ECHL for a little bit and Belleville needed some help on the left side of the defense. So who do they call? They call Tom Parisi. And, uh, and he's been, he's been playing pretty well in, uh, in Belleville.
2: Well, we've got a clip for you, but we'll, before yeah. we play that, let's just catch you up on on Tom Parisi. Uh, as you said, played St. John's Ice Caps, played the first year, the inaugural season of the Laval Rocket, um, and uh, then uh, he, his. We've said this before, and it goes. I can I can name. I don't know how many players, who dealing with the Montreal Canadiens organization. Uh, the fire was extinguished. Their spark for playing the game was put out. Their dream was crushed. And Tom Parisi was, was one of those guys who just, the, the situation was so bad that he stepped away from hockey. Tom Parisi is a very smart guy, very smart guy. Um, and he has his degree and uh, took a finance degree and uh, said, okay, uh, this hockey thing is, is uh, killing my spirit, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to uh, move to Manhattan, get an apartment. And he was working on Wall Street uh, for the Bank of America, and he was making, uh, as an in, uh, investment banker, he was making a ton more money there than he was uh, playing for the, the uh, uh, AHL affiliate of the, the Montreal Canadiens um and and he walked away and and he spoke about uh other players who left their their entry-level contracts just could because of the environment um uh, just couldn't take it and walked away and left money on the table um and tom parisi describes that uh that uh environment as toxic the Montreal yeah. Canadiens organization are a toxic organization uh, and killed the spirit of, of a lot of, of uh, good young players, good young prospects. Um, and he was absolutely miserable, went to, to wall street. Um, and, and uh, uh, then just couldn't uh, just knew that. And, 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 understood that time off, he understood you know, one organization uh, shouldn't be able to kill your dream. And so he has returned to hockey and that's a tough road when you walk away um, and you walk away from money and you walk away from the game, then there's, there's questions about you, uh, obviously. Yeah. And uh, he's had to overcome that. He's played, he played extremely well um, in South Carolina in in the CHL where he, where he uh signed and then he got a call up uh and played a couple of games for belleville and i expect he'll he'll get a a, another call up because he's just uh he's smart he's a very good power play quarterback Uh, i always described him as the best passer on the team uh when he was with uh st john's and um uh the first year of the rocket um but for those that that um um Uh, might think and might blame the coaching staff um, that they're the ones that he was speaking about the toxic environment. He went out of his way when speaking to us uh, that, listen, the coaching staff was affected by this toxic Canadians environment as well. Um, And uh, so we have this article uh, where he's spoken about that. Um, we want to send you over to uh, our YouTube channel. Uh, look for uh, All Habs, and there is um, an interview with Tom Parisi, and uh, we're just going to play a little short clip, and then uh, and then Joe will, will have a chance to, to uh, uh, tell us his opinion after the clip.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it beat up a lot of guys throughout the summer, Um, didn't put anyone individually in great positions, um, and and it didn't allow really guys to kind of continue to move forward and and, and with great opportunities, quite frankly. so I mean I'm on one example, there's a couple others on
0: the team that also kind of actually stopped playing um, and and you could just see that it, it's you know team success is is very dependent on uh you know on, on the individuals as well and, and vice versa so it's 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 one and one, and clearly we didn't have the team success which which hurt everyone involved um, coaches included
1: so yeah there was there's Tom Parisi talking about the situation with the Montreal Canadians organization. And you pointed out, yes, he does go out of his way at the end of that clip to talk about the coaching staff and say that they were also affected by this. And, you know, you, you think about what happened, the fallout, the conversation that existed after Sylvain Lefebvre was let go by the Montreal Canadians organization. And it was like a celebratory thing that the Montreal Canadians were, were getting rid of a guy who got them to the playoffs in 2017 then in 2018, because you move to Laval, you get decimated by injuries, he doesn't really have much of a roster to compete with, so you bring in Joel Bouchard because he's kind of the, the shiny new, new, new toy, and we haven't really talked about Sylvain Lefebvre in a while, but Tom Parisi goes out of his way here to say that Sylvain Lefebvre and his assistants were affected by the environment, by the toxic environment that exists within the Montreal Canadiens organization. And yeah, not only that, but the players that have left, that, that just just walked away from it, and it, it speaks volumes. It truly does about where this organization is.
2: In the the article, to add to that uh, clip that we have, and and there's more on on YouTube. You can um, you can go and and listen to the full interview, but. In addition to that, in uh, the interview he did just this past week um, with the Post and Courier, um, he says it was a brutal two years. We had two guys on the team that had two years left on their entry-level deals that quit. That's how toxic it was. Um, He says, uh, and and here he's talking about um, uh, South Carolina Stingrays, the two months I've spent here were so much better than the two years I was with Montreal. It was a struggle to go to the rink those two years. And now I can't wait to get here every day. It's been a tremendous experience. The coaching staff put a lot of faith in me. I hadn't played in a year, so they didn't know what to expect. I'm just very thankful. They've given me this opportunity. Um, This is, you know, a a graduate of Providence college, uh, a well-spoken smart individual and um, he's speaking about the disrespect uh, that he received and others received by the Montreal Canadiens organization. And, and you know, uh, w- we heard Radulov talk about being disrespected. Obviously, Andre Markov was disrespected by the organization. Um, and, and you can go down the list. We've, we put together... Um, just you and I, uh, um, of of those players, both current and past, who have spoken to us on and off the record, uh, those who have spoken publicly. There's over 20 players um, who speak about the disrespect. The legacy of this uh, regime, the Bergevan regime, is going to be disrespect. Uh, we see the disrespect by by Molson towards the reporters, um, and um, it's 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 unfortunate because that kind of message gets around and yes montreal has high taxes and yes montreal has cold winters uh and yes montreal has uh, uh a media who is voracious uh and a fan base that's uh, voracious but this this will kill people's interest uh p- players interest in coming um to montreal far more than any of, of those uh, those items so when you when you hear uh mark Bergervan say well listen hey uh, guys don't want to come here i don't know why well we know why and we know that that <laughs> message is being circulated uh, around uh the hockey community
1: and even if the montreal canadians at some point whenever it might be move on from mark bergevin's the guy that takes over is going to have to do a hell of a lot of work to to reshape the image of, of Montreal within the hockey community because it's, it's going to be an uphill battle because Montreal has become this sort of a destination where young guys don't believe that they're going to be given a fair shake and you have guys that just walk away like, like Tom Barisi did. So we're, we're going to have to monitor this as we go forward. But as we've said on many occasions, this is something that has become a habit of Mark Bergevin to sort of disrespect his players, disrespect guys who have been here for like Mark, like Andre Markov, who was here for quite a long time. Uh, that, that speaks a lot about the character of, of Mark Bergevin to do that to a guy that had played in Montreal for so, so long. Um, so we'll see anyways, how uh, this all, this all shakes out. Um, so Rick, with all that said, I think uh, we'll take uh, just a quick break, and when we come back, we'll discuss some some fantasy hockey and then tee up the game tonight against the Edmonton Oilers. So uh, stay with us here on the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio.
0: The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at Rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked-out hockey cave or fanning. Well, don't just show your friends, show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadians fans.
1: We're back here on the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Uh, So, Rick, it seems as though with with all the talk that we did earlier in the show about some injuries uh, and and the Montreal Canadiens have have not had very good luck. And it's it's extended to Laval Rocket. Uh, They've not had very good luck with the injury bug. But it seems as though Victor Meta might be making a return perhaps on Monday. It it might seem that way.
2: yeah, talk uh, the the quotes from uh, Victor were that um, it's uh, he hasn't at least at the time of the interview he hadn't received clearance to play, so it's uh, a bit doubtful uh, that he'll play uh, tonight in Edmonton. But there's probably a very good chance we'll see him in the lineup Monday uh, against uh, the Winnipeg Jets, and that would be a a, a welcome um, a sight to see him uh, back on the blue line.
1: It'd be great to yeah, great to get him back. You need some scoring touch um <laughs> as he's become uh, a bit of a cipher back there for the Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> um but uh yes, we'll uh, we'll move on to to fantasy hockey. As I mentioned off the uh, top of the show, there's some more comments made about me on the From the Press Box podcast.
0: And it's an ongoing uh,
1: feud, my goodness. Yeah, it just keeps going. It doesn't it doesn't end. But I think today it might because Amy Johnson mentioned about sending some coal some, uh, that's, that's uh, native to Pennsylvania up to me in Newfoundland for Christmas. And, you know, I think that in the spirit of Christmas, in the spirit of the holidays, I am going to just say that I, I, I hope that Amy Johnson has a successful rest of the season. And I would like to just extend some goodwill to her. And to you wow. as well, and to all of my competitors. And, and it's really, it just comes down to this, all right? I'm a good guy. I'm a good person. And that's what this all is all about. <laughs> I, I'm just such a nice person. I'm extremely modest. And I just wanted everybody to know <laughs> that this, in the spirit of Christmas, in the spirit of the holiday season, I wanted to extend some goodwill to everybody that I'm competing with. And, you know, it's, it, it doesn't matter about who wins and who loses, but at the end of the season, I'm going to be the one that wins. So that's that's that. So <laughs> like last year. Uh huh. <laughs> well, I, I will say that uh, I did make a, a bit of a pickup there the other day. It was uh, William Nylander. was just was just waiting to be You're picked up there. there yeah. So I was just I was like, you know what? I'll I'll take a chance. He picked up some points last night. Unfortunately, he wasn't in my lineup at that moment. I needed, I needed the move needed to process, but I, I did I did pick up William Nylander. But as I said in the spirit of the holidays, we'll just, we'll just let this thing die. Let this thing go away. And, and maybe, maybe this will be the end of it, but we'll, we'll see how it all turns out. I'm sure that Amy Johnson will have a rebuttal on from the press box or maybe on on Twitter, as you said, you're, you might not be having, you know, going forward, it'll be Christmas and then the week or Christmas Eve. And then the week after that might be a little bit dicey, but you know, uh, we'll see what Amy Johnson has to say is that's the point that I'm trying to get to. We'll see what she says about this, but uh, I just want to say, uh, merry Christmas and happy holidays to uh to amy johnson and and see how she she responds to that
2: <laughs> now when you you when you began this response this rebuttal i i would have laid money down that um that this would have involved cod in some way
1: yeah <laughs> no uh that's that's we're gonna that's that's just a it's a stereotype, (laughs) but she she said,
2: she said she's got a birthday coming up. And so, so maybe this, uh, you know, if she sends the coal, then there's an opportunity
1: for you. Maybe, maybe there'll be some, there might be some cod. It's, it's, it's a little bit difficult to get your hands on now. It's a very, it's a hot commodity here in December. But, uh, Mm. but yeah, as, as, the, as the sort of season goes on, it, it becomes a little bit more difficult to get, but there are still some, there's still some cods, So maybe we'll be able to work something out. We've made one trade in the past. Maybe we can work out another one. We'll see how that all, all turns out. <laughs> so uh, before Christmas
2: yeah. arrives,
1: we have a couple yeah. of games. We do. We do indeed. So we have the Edmonton Oilers tonight. And Montreal Canadiens, as we mentioned off the top of the show. They are on a, on a good roll now. This Western road trip has brought some good vibes for the Montreal Canadiens. They have a lot of Western Canadian boys, some BC boys, Brendan Gallagher from Alberta. I mean, and he he played in Vancouver and a, in junior hockey. So they might be feeling good about it out there. So who knows? Let's see if that continues tonight in Edmonton. And then on Monday, as you said, you might be getting Victor Metza back. That might be a nice shot in the arm for the Montreal Canadiens to keep the good vibes going. Uh, but yeah, the Edmonton Oilers tonight—it'll be a a bit of a tough matchup, I think. Uh, the the Oilers have been reeling a bit. You always worry when that happens. You uh, you don't want to approach Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl when things haven't been going too good, because there's always the opportunity that things could turn around very quickly. <laughs> and then but it's yeah.
2: against the Jets, and and, it, and the, the, the supr- Jets. let's say let's say the surprising Jets, because um, yeah. I think yeah. many people had, had written them off. Uh, with uh their issues on defense or at least their the exits in the off season and uh and since the season began they've had a raft of injuries uh particularly on the the back end and and maybe some of those injuries are are catching up uh with them now but uh a pre Christmas matchup uh in Winnipeg um that's uh 8 p.m. on Monday that'll be uh fabulous
1: Yep. And then after Christmas, as we mentioned, Montreal is going to be heading out down to Florida um, to play the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning and the Florida Panthers before cluing up this long road trip uh, uh, with Carolina. Well, the the long uh, time that they spend on the road to play hockey games. Uh, But uh, yeah, so they'll be cluing up in Carolina. This is going to be a, a difficult stretch of games. And we always, we always thought that it would be difficult from the get go, but Hey, who knows? Montreal started well on the road, so they might be able to uh, come back home on January 2nd with a nice uh, winning uh, record on the road, a nice road trip uh, for them. So we'll be hoping to see that for what the the Montreal Canadiens get for Christmas, (laughs) a nice road trip before coming back home.
2: Um, We want to invite you over over the holidays uh, to listen to this podcast, to listen to the other podcasts in the Rocket Sports Radio family. You may have missed um, some of the podcasts, so maybe uh, you'll have a chance to go back and and catch up. There's all kinds of content uh, for you to uh, read on allhabs.net. There's all kinds of content on prospects and the AHL for you to read on ahl.report. Um, and if you see something there that you want to comment on, find us on social media, uh, and, uh, find us, uh, on Facebook, on Twitter, uh, or if you just want to get in touch with us directly, uh, you can, uh, call and leave a voicemail, or you can text at the Rocket Sports, uh, uh, hotline that we have for you, 5853-ROCKET, 5853-ROCKET, or maybe... Um, you just want to send us uh, a, a lengthy email. And, and uh, if you want to do that, it's info at allhabs.net. We, I got uh, several from our, our buddy uh, Dino. I, I We won't have time to read them all, but uh, he wishes uh, all of us, uh, the whole crew, uh, a very happy holidays and a Merry Christmas. He says that um, he is hoping a Christmas present for, for Dino would be that uh, Mark Bergevan is relieved of his duties. And uh, <laughs> then, if that happens, uh, he's speculating, of course, uh, he, his favorite player being PK Subban. He said that that would clear the way for PK Subban. Interestingly enough, uh, Matt Smith, uh, one of our, our staff yeah. writers um, who uh, returned from uh, Kuwait, uh, active member of the uh, Canadian Air Force. He's put up a poll and asking, um, asking you um, if you would welcome back any player, who would it be? And he talks about Radulov and, and uh, PK Subban's on the list. Uh, So look for Matt's poll and and respond to that. Um, But listen, you can, you can find us and uh, interact with us over the holidays. Uh, We just want to thank you for, for supporting us and for being with us and for listening. And, uh, really this podcast has grown and grown and grown by leaps and bounds. And, and we're very, very grateful. Um, we want to wish you a very Merry Christmas and a happy holidays. Um, it's, it's at that time of year that, that family is, is so important. The rocket sports media family, the, the, the writers, the, uh, the podcast contributors, everyone who is involved is, is very o- important to me, and, and I want to wish them a, uh, a very happy holidays. But in even broader, our hockey community is uh, like a family to us. We know many of you. We see some of you on the road. We see you at the draft, and, and we're always happy to do that, and we're always happy to in- interact with you on social media. So uh, we wish all of our uh, hockey family a very Merry Christmas.
1: Ah, uh, very, very well said. And uh, just please be safe over the holiday period as well. And uh, whatever you're celebrating, celebrate with family, celebrate with loved ones, and and just be in their company. It's it's such a beautiful time of the year, and enjoy some World Juniors too. It's uh, <laughs> it's the most wonderful time of the year for many reasons. Uh, but uh, we'll say goodbye uh, for this week. As, as Rick said, so much great content that's going to be coming out on allhabs.net. And uh, if you'd like to find this podcast or listen to the, this podcast and the others. Under the Rocket Sports Radio umbrella, you can uh, find them on uh, all your favorite podcast platforms, including Overcast, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and Google Play. Just search for Rocket Sports Radio and hit that subscribe button. So we'll be back with you next week at uh, 1 p.m. Eastern. That's 2.30 Newfoundland time discussing all things Montreal Canadiens, maybe some World Juniors as well. So uh, we'll be back then. And uh, thank you for tuning in to the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio.
0: For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at HabsConnections and visit allhabs.net.